Welcome to Figures in the Dark, the podcast where we tell stories of all things murderous, paranormal, and terrifying that go on in the dark. My name is Tori. I'm Taylor Shea, or also Tay. And welcome to the second episode of the podcast. Hello, welcome back. I really hope all of you guys have stayed from episode one to episode two. And I want to thank all of you who did listen to episode one because of how unbelievably horrific this case is and traumatizing yes and i would like to promise all of you that not all of our cases will be that Mm. intense i honestly mostly just picked that case and wanted to get it like right out the gate simply just because that case has like horrified me Mm -hmm. for years so i was like okay when we started this podcast and we started talking about like We would interview each other all the time about, like, what is our, like, number one unsolved case that we really Mm -hmm. want to have solved. Like, what is the case that messes with us and sticks Mm -hmm. with us the most. And I, every time anybody's ever asked me that question of, like, which case haunts you the most, it was the Sylvia Likens case. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know what, if we're going to do this, let's just Mm -hmm. get it right out the gate. Let's just take my trauma, throw it out there Start off with a bang. (laughs) Exactly. Just fully bang energy just scream it out there (laughs) get it out of here and then be done with it Mm -hmm. but actually weirdly enough like this probably will become my own serial killer trait but literally after researching this case and Mm -hmm. going through all of this research this case no longer terrifies me so much that's interesting though because you had mentioned that to me before and i feel like when i Okay, I don't know what it's, if it's weird about me or not. Like, I don't get scared of the cases. They just fuck with me. Like, I, they just stick in my head. I don't know if that's, like... I don't know, like, it just doesn't freak me out for some reason. I don't know if it's because, like, you know, I just am mentally ill or because I'm a criminal justice major. Um, oh, but, you know, it doesn't, like, freak me out. I'm, I'm just interested in, like, finding, like, why they do that. But you yes. the same way. Exactly. But it's interesting hearing that you feel different about the case after you researched it. Yes. That it... Definitely, like, when I was done with it, I wanted to, like, be fully done, be like, let's get it out of there, let's put it in the ethosphere, and then be done. But also, I don't know, there was just something about it that no longer, I no longer feel freaked out when I hear any new detail about the case, because Mm -hmm. I feel like I've heard every detail. Gotcha. It's it's an interesting perspective, definitely, you know. I don't know why that is. I'm sure me and my therapist will explore that deeply to figure out, okay, what is wrong with you? Oh, yes, and I would like to note that me and Tay share a therapist. So, um, not only, cause like I said before, we do this thing where like when I research a case, I tell Tay like what I'm doing, but I don't tell her what like the case is about, but I tell my therapist what it's about. And so, <laughs> hi, therapist who shall not be named. Cause you listen, um, yeah. she <laughs> gets to hear both of us talk about our cases yeah. as well as our mental illness, um, yeah. before the other one gets to hear it. So she gets like little sneak peek previews of our episodes before, you know, yeah. so she kind of has an exclusive. She is like day one Patreon without <laughs> having to pay, but we pay her to be our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> like, please help us. There's something clearly going wrong in this yeah, household. Definitely. Because we're doing this. For a living now. Mm, yeah. Hopefully for a living. That'd be kinda cool. Oh my god. I mean, like, we both have full time jobs and yes. I think Tay mentioned before, like at one point in time we were both victim advocates. I am still currently mm-hmm. a victim advocate. Um I work at a domestic violence shelter, all that mm-hmm. fun stuff. So, 
you know, I see traumatizing stuff every day, and I also have a criminal justice degree, so, you know, going to school, there were dead bodies in my textbooks, so, like, I was used to seeing bloated dead bodies in the, in the river, so, Absolutely. you know, not and in person, obviously. Definitely, like, I try to tell folks all the time at work, like, they'll be like, oh my god, I don't know, if, like, if you're ready to hear this information, or, like, this is kind of a lot, I'm like, but there's literally nothing anybody can say to me that is ever shocking to me anymore, mm -hmm. because I... Before leaving working as a victim's advocate, I worked as a victim's advocate for five years, but this past year, it just, I don't know, like this past January, there was something in my brain that was like, I was so burnt out mm -hmm. to the point of, I knew like there was no amount of vacations or breaks yeah. that could ever fix that burnout. And that I was just, I was ready to end that chapter of my life. Yeah. I don't know if I'd ever go back to working as a victim's mm -hmm. advocate. I, while I was a victim's advocate, I never thought I would leave the field. Yeah. But now that I've left the field, I don't know if I'd return. Yeah. Not for any other reason of, like, not liking the work or things like that. It's just, I feel like I've gotten to experience a whole different part of mm -hmm. life now that I no yeah. longer am a victim's advocate. Yeah. But one of the things that really motivated us to want to do this podcast and want to tell stories the way we do is that we want to bring a victim's perspective and mm -hmm. what it is like from the perspective of victim's advocacy for a lot of these cases. Mm -hmm. Like, there will definitely be cases that I will cover that I'll outright say, like, that I dislike a tactic that police or mm -hmm. uh, lawyers were using or yeah. things like that because it was not trauma-informed or mm -hmm. things like that or, like, what they could have done that is trauma-informed that would have still get gotten them the result they needed mm -hmm. with investigating and things like that because... Yeah. Honestly, like, our main goals, I think, with this podcast not only is to just have fun mm -hmm. and get to tell stories to each other yeah. and get to, like, do one of our favorite <laughs> hobbies, which is just, like, talking about true crime mm -hmm. cases, but also to tell victim stories because they deserve to be told. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like, I, yeah, I feel like a lot of, you know, like, we're going to get background on the, the horrific monsters who do these things, but we also want to give a lot of background as much as we can to the victims, because at the end of the day, like, you'll hear people's, you'll, you, I mean, people know Ted Bundy's name, yeah. they know Jeffrey Dahmer's name and, like, John Wayne Gacy's name, but they don't know their victims' names. Exactly. And they don't, and even with, like, mass shootings and stuff like that, you always know of the, like, the Sandy yes. Hook killer or, or Adam Lanza or whatever, whoever yeah. it was, but you don't know the, the, the kids' names, and yeah. so we want to bring that to you guys because we mm -hmm. feel like they deserve more recognition and more thought more thought just in general absolutely. than the pe the people who kill them absolutely and that's also one of the reasons why i decided to give as much information as i have about what sylvia went through and why i'm also going to give a forewarning for today because today i am going to talk about autopsy details mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that people completely understand that the reason why that I am telling you these details is because what Sylvia went through was so incredibly horrific. Yeah. And for Sylvia, she deserves to have every person know what really happened to her mm -hmm. and not just the perspectives or what is told from the people who perpetrated this mm -hmm. to her yeah. and what truly did happen, what she really did have to endure, what she really mm -hmm. did go through, what she survived through. Mm -hmm. and simply just because like every victim that I've ever talked to and even myself having been victim of crime before mm -hmm. 
one of the things that I, like, if it wasn't such a dangerous position and I didn't fear reprisal, I would want every person on the planet to know what I went through mm -hmm. simply just because I don't want what I went through to be in vain. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely one of our goals here as well, is that none of these folks had to go through these things mm -hmm. for us to not learn the lesson mm -hmm. of what needs to be taught by each yeah, of these cases. Definitely. And like with Sylvia's case in particular, what needed to be taught and what I hope society really did gain from this at this time was the need for children protective agencies mm -hmm. and for people to be good bystanders. Mm -hmm. Although we did talk previously in the first episode about there were some people who did try to report to the school and that the school had attempted a really lackluster if any Half investigation if yeah basically just coming to the door and being like hey can we see her and Gertrude just lying and being like no she's not here but like no this girl was locked in the basement mm -hmm. that's yeah. what was happening <clears throat> but yeah. I hope that that's one of the things that especially this case really gets us to understand is the importance and need for child protective services, for child protective agencies, mm -hmm. and for people to genuinely care about the welfare of children. Mm -hmm. It is not what goes in on in someone else's home is not my business. Mm -hmm. It is your business, especially mm -hmm. if you were seeing wounds and children coming in and out of this house and you hear children in the neighborhood talking about how they got to beat up some girl at the Vanazuski household mm -hmm. or things like that that you should be taking this seriously, you should be calling someone, you should make it a big deal, and you should make it your mm -hmm. business. Definitely. There is no <clears throat> such thing as, that's not my business. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we might just get right into it and mm -hmm. get right back into the case. So like Lovely. I said, forewarning, in a little bit, I am going to talk about autopsy details mm -hmm. for Sylvia. Um, they are a lot. Mm -hmm. It's not pretty it's pretty gruesome so i will forewarn right before i get into the mm -hmm. autopsy part i'll try to give like an estimated time frame of how long that detail mm -hmm. is so just in case if folks want to just skip ahead a little mm -hmm. bit i'll let you know but so where i left everyone and where we left off mm -hmm. in episode one is obviously sylvia had been completely tortured mm -hmm. horrifically finally unfortunately does pass um on october 26th she's malnourished she's mm. dehydrated she's been branded she's been abused um i had read a little bit of the letter that gertrude had made her mm. write which i will probably read again um just so we can get a little refresher of what that ridiculous letter said because I still have a lot of thoughts and I want to go through it line by line because that I'm letter fine is with that. such bullshit. Yeah. Um, but so unfortunately, Sylvia has passed. Gertrude called police to the house, and while there, her and the kids are being complete freaking weirdos, and the police are not buying it. Pull Jenny aside, and Jenny tells them, "If you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything." Yeah. So that is, for the most part, where I left you, was that Jenny had told them everything. She made a formal statement to police about what Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, Coy Hubbard, Richard Hobbs, the younger Banaszewski children, and all of the neighborhood mm -hmm. kids had done to Sylvia. So. Yeah, and I can't wait to hear, you know, I, I'm excited. I think we mentioned before, like I, like I mentioned before in the beginning of this episode, 
I'm a criminal justice major, so mm -hmm. I'm excited to hear about the trial, and yes. I can maybe give a little bit of insight as to, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I am, you know, pretty well versed in knowledge about the court, the court system, Absolutely. and how that works, and plea deals, and all that fun stuff. So, you know, maybe yes. I can give a little bit of like um, insight as to why certain things happened the way they Absolutely. did. Absolutely, and I'm super excited for that because, like. This case is just absolutely wild. So definitely today I'm going to talk about autopsy, arrests, subsequent trials, and the after trials. Nice. So we'll just get right into it. Um, so right now I'm going to start us off with the autopsy itself. I think this part will probably take about like at least two minutes. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to hear like the worst of it, probably try to skip ahead like two minutes. Mm -hmm. But in the autopsy, they found that poor Sylvia had over 150 different wounds across her body, most of which included bruising and burns. Her body was noted to be emaciated and extremely malnourished. She had muscle damage and nerve damage, which was thought by the technician to have been caused by being thrown down the stairs. Jeez. She had a hole in her wrist that technically went right down to the bone which they believed could have been from a cigarette being put to, out onto her so hard and was burned so hot that it burned a hole like almost to the bone holy shit like yes. i know we are we already like we started not even 30 seconds ago but like oh my god yeah yes her fingernails were broken off and they looked like they had been broken backwards yeah that fucked me up a lot. i'm gonna i'm gonna put this out there my fiance hates fingernail stuff yes. so i'm not gonna say your name because i don't know if you want your name said on the podcast but don't listen to that that's gross yeah skip ahead please so sorry i apologize to you oh. uh, you're wonderful i'm sorry i did that <laughs> <laughs> that, that literally gave me like yeah. that gave me like goosebumps like and i'm yeah. good at like handling yes. shit <laughs> yeah, sorry like, just the <laughs> shit that sylvia went through was horrific and of course as always with this case it just gets worse Ugh. I know, you want me to stop saying that to you <laughs> <laughs> and stop doing that to you in general. It yeah, love it. So there were layers of skin that were peeling from her face, neck, breasts, and knees. The technician also found that this is also really gruesome, and I would definitely skip ahead if when it comes to anything regarding sexual trauma. Um, they found that her vaginal cavity had been swollen shut. Yeah. I, like, am, like, speechless. And I talk a lot. Yes. What the fuck? I honestly, like, maybe we'll end up hearing that more in other cases we research, but in, I've, like, been a consumer of true crime literally since, like, four, because my parents just were like, yeah, let the four-year-old watch it. Let the four-year-old <laughs> watch Law & Order SVU. That's safe. It'll be good for her psyche. That's, uh, that's why you are the way you are. Yeah, that's why I'm this fucked up. But I have never heard that. Neither I have, have never I. in any case heard that I I haven't person. either. Even in, like, all the law classes I've taken, like, in the, the, the um, what's the right word? The criminology, the forensic cl uh, classes I've taken... I've never no. heard of it being swollen shut. Yeah. Yep. Jeez. But it was swollen shut. Which I, although to jump ahead a little bit, but it did annoy me greatly. During the trial, they kept trying to say that she had not been sexually abused. But I don't understand why they would think that. Like, they knew about the Coke bottles being shoved up her and being forced 
into her vagina. They knew about this autopsy detail of her vaginal cavity being swollen shut, and they repeatedly just kept saying at trial that she was not sexually abused. That is sexual abuse. Yeah. I don't know who needs to be told that and why... I don't know who I need to go back to 1965 mm -hmm. to yell at and tell them. That is sexual abuse. Yeah, and I don't understand, like, how would that just happen by itself? It, wouldn't, it, it doesn't happen it doesn't. like that. So, I don't, I don't even know. So, of course, Anna gets worse. Um, and she had bit through her lips, which the autopsy technician said that they were so severely, like, like nearly severed she had bit through oh which they believed was possibly caused by her biting her lips during her death throes but uh as hobbs will later say and confess to he did say that when he was doing the branding she was clenching her teeth and moaning in pain so it is also possible that she bit her lips quite a lot during mm. that instance as well mm. so but ultimately, they determined that her cause of death had been because of blunt force trauma to her temple, brain swelling, internal hemorrhage, and uh, uh, internal hemorrhage of the brain, and shock with starvation and other injuries being directly contributing factors to her death. However, the coroner, coroner Dr. Keeble, also did note that she was already in rigor mortis and that he had made the determination that it was his belief that Sylvia had been dead for up to eight hours before police were called to the home. And he believed that the bath that they had given her could have, uh, that had already happened, like which Stephanie and Richard had said, that her and Hobbs had said that they had given her a bath before she had died. Um, but he believed that that bath could have happened after she had already been dead and that the bath could have quickened the setting in of rigor mortis. Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, too. I'm going to... Sorry if you heard a lot of noise. My cat hopped up on our printer. I apologize. We closed the door, but they're little assholes. Anyway, I was going to say with the bath thing, I've heard that before where people will bathe their victims because that also gets rid of DNA. That yes. Even though DNA wasn't, I don't think, a big thing in the 60s, it yeah. still got rid of... DNA, any hair, anything, any like, because think about it, if, if their story is that she went out by herself and this yes. happened by herself, like they want to clear any type of evidence, yes. excuse me, that they're the ones who did this. So exactly. that could also be a forensic countermeasure. That's what I felt as well. Cause like in a lot of the reading I was doing, they like, and Hobbs tried to describe it as a sympathy thing, that he did this out of sympathy, which I'll talk about later. I don't want to skip ahead too much, but I... <laughs> don't buy it. I just rolled my eyes so hard it like almost <laughs> yes. gave me a headache. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? That's nonsense. But so to get back to the day of discovery due to Jenny's statements to police within hours of them being there, they had charged Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie, John Jr., Coy Hubbard, and Richard Hobbs all with the murder. Mm -hmm. So they immediately started right in with interrogating each of them about their involvement in the murder. However, later that week, they did also charge Michael Monroe, Randy Lepper, Judy Duke, Darlene McGuire, and Anna Sisko with causing injury to a person as well at, uh, as well because they were the main children within the neighborhood that had all, or actively harmed or hurt Sylvia as well. So, that, so that's how many people that were charged? So there were six people being charged with the murder mm -hmm. and five children being charged with um, 
uh, causing injury to a person. That's I'm I'm glad that there was that. Man. I mean, obviously yes. we haven't heard the trial yet, so we don't know who gets what. But yeah. I'm glad that they made the effort to charge eleven people exactly. at least with something with the crime. Exactly. So they did. The police did not let the children in the neighborhood who were also hurting her go unnoticed. I like that. I'm they glad. definitely they made a lot of attempts, and mm-hmm. from what it seems like, they were really like foot to the pavement, like, going around asking so many different children and talking to so many people in the neighborhood about this. So, they did seem to actually actively Mm -hmm. try to charge as many people as possible with what they did Mm -hmm. and hold them accountable for what happened to Sylvia. So, Gertrude at the beginning denied any involvement in any of it and tried to stick to the ridiculous story she came up with with the letter, but eventually by her second day of interviewing on October 27th, she did finally admit that Sylvia had not run away and tried to claim that she didn't do anything to Sylvia, that everything that had happened to her was because of the kids, and that she only knew about the kids hurting Sylvia. She placed the majority of the blame on Paula and Coy Hubbard, saying that Paula did most of the damage and that Coy did a lot of the beating. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and is Coy and Paula, are they boyfriend-girlfriend? Coy is Stephanie's boyfriend. Oh, shit. So so mm-hmm. Paula's, like, what, like, 18, 19, right? Yeah. Uh, and Paula's 17. 17. And then how old was Coy Hubbard? Probably, like, 15? He was, I think, 16. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she tried to blame the majority of the abuse on Coy, who was Stephanie's boyfriend, the mm-hmm. one who had beat up or beat up Sylvia when Sylvia had made that rumor. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And Paula, who, 17 and pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, super cute. Love that. Um, but police obviously didn't believe her and knew that she was just full of shit and just kept pressing her about her own involvement in the abuse. And that day, the most she would admit to was that she claimed that she only three times had forced Sylvia to sleep in the basement because Sylvia had wet the bed. Which, I just love this, but one of the officers interviewing Gertie threw it back in her face at her and said that perhaps the reason that Sylvia was wetting the bed was due to her kidneys being injured by all of the beatings. And yes. by the mental torment that she was experiencing. Well, do you know? Do you know his name? No, I did uh, not. I, I love out that. this officer's name, but I just love that. Just being like, um, so you kept forcing her in the basement because she was wetting the bed. Maybe she was wetting the bed because of you beating her and torturing her all the time. I love that. I love when police get like snap right back. Yeah. Oh, like, I love that. Yes, they just threw it right back at Gertrude mm-hmm. and was like. I love Are it. Are you kidding me? I love it, I love it, I love it. It's like, you absolute evil woman. Are you kidding? Love it. But Paula, however, didn't really make any attempts to deny any of what she had done. And the officers all said that she was utterly remorseless for Sylvia's death and any of the things she did to Sylvia. Paula outright admitted to the times when she beat Sylvia with the police belt, pushing Sylvia down the stairs multiple times, and admitted to when she broke her wrist from beating Sylvia. And then, of course, beating her with the cast of that wrist. So she went on to sign a written statement confirming that she did all of this. At least she's admitting it. Like, at least she... Yeah. At, at least she admitted it. At least she was... Yes. Like, even though it doesn't excuse anything and she's still a piece yeah. of shit and, like, she has really shitty eyebrows. Yeah. Like, it's still... At least she's admitting it. Because at yes. least she's not being, like, her bullshit mom that's, like... Yeah, that's trying to I deny and push blame. Like, yeah, she's not trying to push blame. <clears throat> However, from what, like... 
the way that they said she talked about it not only was utterly remorseless to me it felt like she was still proud of what she did probably yeah because you think she did it she did it because her mom encouraged it and she's probably trying to get her mom's approval yeah and she bragged about this to people she bragged about to neighbors about all the times that she would punch sylvia and that she gave sylvia a black eye like when there was a neighbor at her house she literally sat there and be like oh you see sylvia with that black eye like i did that and like was proud of that you want a fucking medal for being a dickhead? Like, exactly. congratulations, like, Paula. Paula's a fucking monster. So, and chillingly, when they interviewed Hobbs, they are recording all of these interviews that they that you can find them online. And I did hear part of Hobbs' interviews of him discussing what he had done, done. And the way he talks about it is just absolutely callous. In one of the many things I watched and listened to about this case, the best way I heard it described was like he was explaining to you how to make a sandwich. It was literally like, it was like, oh yeah, like I, um, I punched Sylvia in the face or like, yeah, like I branded her and like carved into her stomach. Well, Gertie told me to carve into her stomach. It was the same way of being like, oh, well, I took out the bread and then I put peanut butter on the bread and then jelly and then another piece of bread. That is, I feel like I hear that a lot. And in the case that I'm going to, I'm going to talk about my, my first case, it's the same way when he confesses. Yeah. It's very just like matter of fact, like, oh yeah, I did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so what about it? Exactly. It's like, but you, the things you're saying are fucking horrific. Yeah, like, how do you have no emotional connection? Like, you're just completely emotionally detached Mm -hmm. to you literally saying that you branded a person. Yeah, that's fucked up. You wrote into someone's stomach, I am a prostitute and proud of it, and you literally are just saying it like, oh yeah, I went to the park today. So fucked up. Like, I don't condone violence, but every time I hear shit like this, I'm like kill them yeah, punch them in the face exactly. like we condone violence to only these people yes 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 <laughs> so it was with that little of emotion of how he described carving into sylvia which he tried to minimize it and say that he was light he was only lightly scratching and only made light scratches that when he did uh when he did it unlike with Gertrude that she was tougher about it but he only did light scratches and when police asked him why he did it he just flatly said Gertie told me to Jesus fucking Christ like it it's like the Nazi defense yeah it's like oh they told me to do it yeah but you you were told to do it but you had an opportunity to not do it yes you could have said no you could have chose not to go to this exactly. house. You could have chose so many different times to tell somebody to go go to the police. No. Instead, you actively chose to keep coming back to this house and hurting this poor girl. Jesus. So, and it was clear to detectives in these interviews with these kids that this cruelty was so normalized to these children that literally none of them, other than Stephanie, really showed any signs of remorse whatsoever and talked about it in such a blasé way. Like, John Jr., the 12-year-old was just like, yeah, I would burn her with matches and punch her with my fists often and just was like, oh, yeah, I went to soccer practice today, scrape my knee, no biggie. Like, that's the whole way that he even talked about it. A 12-year-old. It's fucked up. So, honestly, out of all of them, the only one that at any time seemed like they understood that this was wrong and that actually showed any real guilt for their actions was Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, I don't think that makes her any less culpable Mm -hmm. for her part in this, but she seemed to be the only one that wasn't absolutely ruthless about this whole thing and was like, about how this whole thing was and 
to be honest, with how her and Hobbs talked about this part, I don't really believe that he bathed Sylvia with her because he felt too guilty or because he cared. I kind of have the belief that he only did it because it was such a nice, gentle bath was because of his own guilt coming out mm-hmm. in coming out as tenderness to yeah. Sylvia during her last end-of-life moments. Yeah. Especially with Sylvia, I do think that for her it was guilt and like wanting to be kind to her i think for richard him participating and helping that it was more more of like we were talking about like forensic countermeasure and him wanting to like i guess minimize and try Mm. to give himself an out of like oh yeah i might have branded her but like i gave her a really nice gentle bath whereas like john jr he like sprayed her down with a hose and like laughed at her yeah that's yeah i'm like you don't get a prize for being kind of less awful when you're being horrific yeah like just like just because you gave someone a bath does not mean that excuses all the bullshit you did to her previously yeah it's like it doesn't negate any of the other stuff that it's like it's like if i like decked you in the face and i was like oh i'm sorry oh i'm sorry can i get you an ice pack can i get you an ice pack no can i get you a piece of ice yeah can i get you a singular piece an ice cube can i get an ice cube after i gave you a fucking black eye yeah definitely that means i'm definitely like resolved of decking you in the face exactly completely balances out so as i said before police charged gertrude paula stephanie john jr coy hubbard and richard hobbs with the murder but when this went to trial in april of 1966 only gertrude paula john jr coy and hobbs were being tried for sylvia's murder so that was due to two things uh first that when the da went to indict all six of them Stephanie's attorney was able to successfully argue to the DA that the DA could not prove that Stephanie had done anything to cause the injuries that had led to Sylvia's death. As well as Stephanie herself had decided to waive all of her own immunity to testify on Sylvia's behalf at the trial and to testify against her family about what they had done and what had happened in the house. All right, I mean... Yeah, so good on uh, Stephanie for that. Yeah. So not only was it, it was true, she didn't do anything leading up to the death. Any of the time, there was only really that one instance of Mm -hmm. Stephanie punching Sylvia in the face Mm -hmm. and that because of the prostitute rumor, Mm -hmm. but Stephanie didn't really actively participate all that much other than a, like, I'll go into it, a couple of other instances, Mm -hmm. but she also just genuinely knew that this was wrong, Mm -hmm. and I thought that was really amazing, her waving her own immunity. Yeah, so anything she admitted to could be, she could be tried for. She could be. Wow. But she, she decided to do it anyways and was like, no, screw this. Yeah. So when trial first began, Gertrude first pled not guilty as she was trying to claim that she did not cause Sylvia's death and that it was all the children who had done everything Mm -hmm. to cause the death. But that wasn't working, so later on, she decided that basically almost all of them, except for maybe Paula, were saying that no, all this was Gertie's idea, and that Gertie was the one that inflicted the most of the serious Mm -hmm. injuries that had happened to Sylvia. So instead, she later tried to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. So, which shortly after that plea was made, several experts had examined her, testified to the judge that they that they believed that she was absolutely competent to stand trial and completely refuting her mm-hmm. plea of mm-hmm. insanity. Yeah. Which I don't want to like, I want to kind of put it in here. People talk about pleading for insanity a lot. Mm-hmm. It only works in about 30 cases a year. 
Yes. Total. Like it works like 1% of the time. So people always like, oh, I'll just plead mental insanity. It is very hard to get away with an insanity defense. Yes. It is very, very hard. And the people that do, like mm -hmm. the, um, his last name is Hinkley, the guy who shot yeah. Ronald Reagan. Like then they don't realize that you're committed to a psychiatric facility, yes. but a lot of the times there's no end in, of your yeah. sentence. Yeah, no. So you're, you're still going to be contained. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to be in like, and one of the things that I'm hopefully going to do later is I want to talk about like asylums and things yeah. like that in general. But what people don't understand about it, these institutions is, especially during this time, if she had won and gone and was committed and was determined as insane, you were going to be in one of the most horrific establishments mm -hmm. that could ever exist yep. that was going to probably brutalize you the same way Sil you yeah. had Sylvia. Yeah. And yet you don't you have no concept that that is not better than being in prison mm -hmm. as well as like i still don't understand why people believe that if you get the insanity defense that you're just going to go to a cushy hospital for a little while prove that you're fine and get to get out earlier mm -hmm. no you're not no because a lot of times from what i understand and from what mm -hmm. i've read yeah. people who go to these psychiatric hospitals especially for the mm -hmm. criminally insane they're there until they're quote unquote rehabilitated. Yes. No, there are people like Edmund Kemper who was very, very good at tricking people yep. and John Wayne Gacy who was very mm -hmm. good at saying that they had good behavior. Yep. But it's a lot of times you're in there for years and years and years yep. and years. Like um, the guy, the Hinkley guy, he only got out. He That happened in what, the 80s I think it was? He got out like 30, 40 years later. Yep. Whereas if he was in prison, it would have been like 20 or 30 years. Exactly. So That and on top of it, people still don't understand that most of the people who end up successfully like getting through with an insanity defense, they are also ending up diagnosed with personality disorders. Mm -hmm. Personality disorders aren't curable. Mm -hmm. So you're literally admitting that you have an incurable mental illness. Mm -hmm. So why would they ever think you're cured and able exactly. to leave? Exactly. Anyway, didn't we I just want to jump yes, in and say that. But no, yeah. absolutely. No, I greatly appreciate it because it gives a lot of context as to the stupidity of it. Yeah. But yeah, so... Gertie's just great. She is... What a woman. What I a want lady. her to be my mom. I know, right? She's just so lovely. First it's, I didn't do anything. All these kids did it. And then it's like, well, I'm clearly ill. And, like, there is a difference between being mentally ill and being an asshole. And yeah. Gertrude is an asshole. <laughs> not mentally ill. Which, like, we're definitely going to talk about it more and we'll probably bring it up all the time. But if you are diagnosed with a mental illness, you are more likely to be the victim of a crime yep. than you are to perpetrate one. Yeah. So, she's ridiculous. Love it. But, and of course, all four of the children pleaded not guilty and claimed that none of them chose to ab abuse Sylvia, but they were all forced to by Gertrude. She wasn't holding a fucking gun to her head. Exactly. I mean, granted, I understand, like, her, them seeing her do these things to Sylvia and being like, oh, fuck, I don't want them to happen to me. Yep. But also, if you don't live in the home, yeah. you, you have no you have fucking excuse. Yeah. You have a choice. You have an option. The only person here who really didn't have an option or a way out was Jenny. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Everybody else had an option. Mm -hmm. So the DA's office was successfully argued to the judge that all five of them should have been should be tried together, as there would be no way for any jury or judge to get a clear picture of the crime by only hearing about each person's part individually, mm -hmm. without all of them together and hearing about what all of them did as a crime together mm -hmm. so as well as they were able to that 
as well as they claimed that they were all conspirators together mm-hmm. and acting in consort during this crime. So by them acting as a unit, uh, the judge agreed. So this went to trial in 1966, and all of them were being tried together. Which is, that doesn't happen a lot, no. um, because they tend to separate the, the people, because they want, they, because a lot of the times, you know, in the Constitution it says you have the fair, a fair, the right to a fair and just trial, or some yes. bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. I should know that, but I don't. Um, so a lot of times they'll separate the trials yeah. to give everyone a fair trial. So I'm glad the judge yeah. said that because a lot of times these people who mm-hmm. do stuff together, like in the case that mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about, they did it together. Mind yes. you, they had different parts in it, but it was done as a collaborative effort. Exactly. So I'm glad they're being tried I'm together. I'm really excited. This is very rare that yes. they did, but I'm really excited that they did because yeah. also like we're going to talk about it a little bit more later and like the prosecutor will also address it, but there is no way to really distinguish which injuries were more a cause of Sylvia's death than the other. And all five of these people were consistently hurting her all the time. So there's no one way to really divisively like pull out and be like, okay, well, Koi, you had beat her in the head with the curtain rod, so we're going to try you for that part of it. Mm. But also what contributed to her death was Hobbs branding her and then John Jr. punching her in her mm. branding. Yeah. Like, all of these things yeah. were just piles on top. Yeah. So there's no way to say, like, and for, honestly, like, we'll talk about it a little bit more too, but it's really hard for like I think this defense to also be able to argue well like my person didn't cause the death the other one did no you were all doing stuff Mm -hmm. the entire time that Mm -hmm. contributed to her death Mm -hmm. so they're all being tried together and just days before trial really began the DA's office announced that they would be seeking the death penalty for all five of them oh that's awesome So I found this super fascinating, but when jury selection for this trial happened, the DA dismissed any potential jurors that disagreed with the death penalty and any of them that did not believe that mothers were basically responsible for the actions of their children when in their home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So me personally, I disagree with that sentiment that I don't think mothers Mm -hmm. in particular, I don't like the way that was worded, but yes, I do think parents are ultimately responsible for what your kids are doing Mm -hmm. in your home yeah and it's your job to keep them safe but i did find that very interesting that that's what the two things da da Mm. was dismissing people for yeah so whereas the defense attorney dismissed any possible jurors that expressed a prejudice against insanity defenses Mm -hmm. anyone who worked with children okay and that any who showed disgust about the the abuse that Sylvia had suffered. Well, that makes sense because you want yeah. you want someone who will be like, "Oh, I don't care about kids. Yeah. Fuck that kid who died." Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, that's not my belief, yeah. but it makes yeah. sense, and that's where you get a lot of issues in jury selection. Is because you this can this can go on for like two or three weeks. We saw mm-hmm. in the OJ trial, they literally had a spreadsheet of like, mm-hmm. "All right, well, juror one, like she they they had nicknames for them and everything yeah. like that. Like, they choose people they want, and it." It's a tricky thing because you, but it on the surface it's like, well, why would you? Yeah. It's a jury of your peers. You would just want to choose someone who like is the same race, same gender, same mm-hmm. ethnicity, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, they're very the game of the game of court is very interesting, and jury selection is a huge part of that. Oh yeah, and that's why I wanted to include that because I find like jury selection mm-hmm. so super fascinating. Mm-hmm. But I love that. That's how it was broken down yeah. into what their and where you can see their strategies mm-hmm. are going to be. 
the DA is definitely going for the strategy of, no, this is horrific, this is brutal, this woman is accountable, they are all accountable, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Whereas the defense is trying to basically pick people who don't care about kids, mm -hmm. people who can't handle hearing the details about mm -hmm. what Sylvia suffered because then it might make it easier to not condemn their mm -hmm. clients but also people who were willing to accept an insanity defense mm -hmm. even though most folks should now know it's ridiculous yeah definitely so at trial there were so many different children that testified about the abuses that they watched the family inflict as well as what they themselves had inflicted so Randy Lepper, one of the boys who had been charged with causing bodily harm to Sylvia, admitted in court that he had beaten Sylvia anywhere from 10 to 40 different times. Oh my god. One thing that he also testified to that I found deeply upsetting was that he testified that one time when he had went to when he was at the house and at the home, Gertrude had demanded that Sylvia strip in front of him and she refused and he had witnessed Stephanie slap Sylvia very hard after she refused Gertrude's demand. Oh my god. So like I said, I don't think Stephanie is by any means innocent. No. She definitely did participate. Her participation, however, was far less than the others. Yeah. Judy Duke, another one of the bodily injury kids who actually was 12 when she had abused Sylvia, testified to the amount of participation she witnessed both Shirley Banaszewski and Richard Hobbs engage in, recalling an incident where Sylvia or Shirley had ripped open Sylvia's shirt in front of Richard, and Richard had said, everybody is having fun with Sylvia. Blech. Yeah. That's fucking gross. That was just absolutely disgusting. So Gertrude did end up testifying in her own defense, and while on the stand, she attempted to claim that it was all of the children that had did this to Sylvia, and that she couldn't have done it or controlled the kids not to, because after her depression and that she had suffered after her miscarriage and her poor health, because she was very much described at this time as being very frail looking, she kind of looked like she didn't take care of herself or eat very much and just chain smoked all the time. Uh, she did this after this. So I did also include like in the pictures on our Instagram mm -hmm. for this case, like there are pictures of Gertrude at trial and she was very haggard looking like this woman. She's gross as fuck. Yeah. She's nasty. Looking. She, she kind of, this would be really shitty of me. She kind of has like an alien head. Yeah. Like, her forehead is huge, yes. and her face is so gaunt that, like, it literally looks like the top of her head is bigger than the, her, like, her yeah. jaw. That's fucking she weird. She just looks so unhealthy. She looks, she looks like a corpse. Mm -hmm. And, like, yes, this woman was very frail, mm -hmm. and her argument was trying to be, like, oh, well, I couldn't have abused Sylvia that much because I'm too frail. I'm like, mm -hmm. but you did, though. But, but you did. But you did. <laughs> and then, because you couldn't always physically hurt them as much as you wanted to and you wanted so much pain inflicted to her you then instructed other people to do mm -hmm. it so it's like okay sure jesus so she did after this change her story on the stand to then claim that she did know about the kids in the neighborhood hurting mm -hmm. sylvia and that she told her children to ask their ex-policeman dad what to do mm -hmm. She clearly had no answer to the question on if that was true, why didn't you just call him yourself or why didn't you call the police? She she couldn't answer. I that. mean, it makes sense. Like if you have that resource, why yeah. didn't you explore it? If you felt yeah. so bad about what was happening, you should why fucking explore it. Why didn't you try? Yeah. Nope, cuz she's full of shit. 
So when pressed about the testimony of others discussing her having been physical with the girls, she tried to claim that the most she ever did was spank them a few times, but that most of the time she stopped because she physically didn't have the strength to keep hitting them and that she emotionally didn't have the heart to strike them. This was Gertrude? Yeah. The woman who started beating them because $20 was late. Yep. She then later went on to to make ridiculous claims that Sylvia was having affairs with married men, which of course was not at all true. So when on the stand, she continued to attempt to falsely accuse and humiliate Sylvia even after her death, which one of the things that I didn't end up putting in here because I had totally like forgot about it, but do wanna also include is that during that incident where Sylvia was branded and she was crying after it had happened, Gertrude had looked at her and said, well, I guess you can't marry now because of that. Now, what are you going to do? And Sylvia had cried so and up. responded, well, I guess there's nothing I can do. Oh, my God. Yeah. So oh. this woman who is trying to claim that she just didn't have the heart to emotionally hurt these girls completely humiliated Sylvia. And after she branded her and forced other children to help her brand her, mocked her. And basically said, well, I guess you can never get married. That, like, breaks my fucking heart. Everything that happens to yeah. Sophia just breaks my heart. She's just this poor kid. So Gertrude at this time was also still trying to possibly use the insanity defense. And to refute that, Dr. Schuster, the doctor who had interviewed her extensively to assess her, to assess her mental state, firmly denied her having any psychosis whatsoever. And he directly said that when interviewing her, he found her to not only be sane, but uncooperative and invasive when questioned about her level of involvement. Mm -hmm. So one of the people whose testimony was also most damaging to Gertrude's claims of innocence was actually her own daughter, Marie. So Marie would have been about 11, 12 during the time of the trial. And she testified that it was completely false that her mother did not know about the abuses happening because as she stated, her mother was often present when the kids were, would be hurting Sylvia. So she even recounted a time when Anna Sisko was be beating on Sylvia in their house and Gertrude was sat in the room that it was happening in and was just crocheting while Anna attacked her. So she also refuted her mother's claim of not being physically violent with Sylvia and had said that although all of them would regularly abuse Sylvia most of the time, the more violent things that happened were at the hands of Paula and Gertrude herself. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. I feel like that tracks. Yeah, that's completely true. From even what Jenny was saying, like mm -hmm. all of that's just the mm -hmm. case. Well, because it because think about it, it makes sense. They're the ones who kind of started everything so of course they will be the ones who are the most severe you see that all the time yep. especially when there's more than one person like the case i'm going to talk about the person the main person who planned everything and who started everything did the worst shit and that's yes. normally how that happens absolutely like you're a ringleader for a reason exactly so marie herself also did not try to claim any innocence in this either and did admit that she was one the one that had heated up the needle that was used mm. to carve up sylvia mm. 
So Hobbs also took the stand in an attempt to defend himself and discuss that Gertrude had been the mastermind behind it all and that she was the one that would start everything. Mm -hmm. He, of course, again, tried to minimize his level of involvement in the carving and the branding and tried to claim that all of the etchings that had been done into Sylvia's stomach had been light in comparison to the ones that Gertrude had done. However, he did also admit that Sylvia did make pain noises as he carved and that blood did come to the surface as he was doing it. So he did also go on to say that he did not come to the house that day intending to hurt Sylvia as he thought uh, that she had already been gone by that point because the day before Gertrude had said that she was going to be getting rid of Sylvia. Oh, Jesus. However, I believe this to be untrue though. Honestly, I don't think, I do think that Gertrude had said that and that she was planning to get rid of Sylvia, but I don't believe what he had said at all because if that was the case, then why did he ever go to the basement in the first place and found Stephanie crying over Sylvia? Mm. There was no reason for him to go into that basement. True. This basement was not like some nice finished basement that they often hung out in. This basement was literally only used and ever gone into during the time when Sylvia was down there to abuse her. Okay. So I don't, I don't yeah. buy that because yeah. his story, even in his own words, was that he went down the stairs, slipped and fell, and found Sil or Stephanie crying over Sylvia's body. Mm. Why would you have even bothered to go downstairs yeah. if you weren't going down there to harm Sylvia? Yeah, makes sense. So, chillingly, Hobbs also testified that Syl that when Sylvia died, he just went home to watch TV. That, stuff like that, it, like, freaks me out. Like, like I said, I keep on bringing up my case, but the case I'm going to record is there's something like that that happens after yeah. these gruesome murders are committed. And you're like, how the fuck? Yeah. It shows a level of callous of these people because... Yes. Even me, like, I step on my cat's foot by accident, and I'm, like, inconsolable for, like, five minutes. Exactly. Like, five, ten minutes. And I'm, like, and the rest of the day. Yesterday, yeah. I was driving. I hit a fucking bird, and I came home, and I cried about it for an hour. Yeah. Because I hit a bird. And I yeah. literally couldn't do anything but sit there and think about it. Like, like, I don't understand. Like, how do these folks have no fucking empathy? Mm -hmm. Like, none whatsoever. That they just, like, that literally, you just branded a girl watched her die you mm -hmm. watched her for months slowly suffer decay and basically starve to death and you guys have been brutalizing her for half a year at this point mm -hmm. and you literally just i don't know you just like get up and go home and just watch tv it's like, like it didn't even she, happen. he walks into his house his mom's like oh so how was your day oh it was good you know i beat the shit out of some 16 year old girl because you know mm -hmm. my girlfriend's mom said it was okay like yep. You know, if my kid ever comes home and is like, oh, I beat the shit out of someone, I'd be like, we're going to the fucking police. Yeah, like, we're going. I don't, I love, I'm going to love yeah. my kids, but fuck no. Uh-uh. We're turning, no. turn your bitch ass However, in. I can say that my toxic trait is when a friend of ours had said, oh yeah, our kid, my son, he was like in, in school suspension because he like hit a kid. My first, I literally first question asked was like, well, did he have reason to? Like, well, I feel like what? You know, yeah, be like, like well, what, yeah, be like, well, what happened? Yeah, but yeah, no, my toxic brain is like, if my kid came home and said that to me, I'd be like, why are you bragging about that? And like, what, what happened to mm -hmm. think that that was an appropriate mm -hmm. reaction? Yeah, yeah. But no, he just, he just didn't do anything. Just went home, watched TV. 
Love that. So as the trial was finally coming to a close, the prosecution went on to argue in their closing statement that this not only was premeditated, especially on Gertrude's end, and pointed to the letter she was forced to write days before she died, and that Gertrude had every intention of killing Sylvia and using this letter as a means to cover up her own actions, which I completely agree as well. Just if you like break down the letter line by line, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I will just real quick reread you mm -hmm. that letter again. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Likens, I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night, and they said they would pay me if I would give them something. So I got into the car, and they all got what they wanted, and when they got finished, they beat me up, left me with sores on my face and all over my body. They also put on my stomach, I am a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything I could just to make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I've tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I have also caused Gertie doctor's bills that she can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all of her kids. So, but, so just something about that letter, like, why would she address it, dear Mr. and Mrs. Likens? That's, that's the first thing that I had said. It was like, how did she ever think that they were going to believe this shit when just from the, even the first line right there dear mr and mrs likens thing alone what child refers to their parents as mr and mrs whatever no no be like hey especially no. back then like especially yeah. like no like i'll be joking around say my mom's name like we sometimes we'll yeah. call our parents by our, their names like whatever even in like in the 60s especially when yeah. i was 16 i never ever called my mom anything other than mom or my dad anything other than dad yeah like, i would never say mr and mrs last name you yeah. know what i mean it's like disrespectful yeah it's weird it's like so far removed yeah it just what child does that it's yeah. weird and two she is such an asshole because even in this letter where she is supposed to be having sylvia lie and blame these boys for hurting her like why would such a brutalized and branded girl care about Gertrude's ruined mattress mm -hmm. like really lady you're such a narcissist that even when trying to cover up crimes you committed you're going to force your victim to basically be apologetic to you for the money or damage to your house that happened from injuries you chose to inflict on her like it just blows my mind like this level of twisting everything around mm -hmm. of like I did this to you and it caused damage but somehow this is your fault when mm -hmm. I hurt you mm -hmm. like, like how dare you piss on my mattress because of things i did to you yeah but how dare you piss on my mattress exactly like, how dare you piss on that mattress when i refuse to let you go to the bathroom it's it's a it's that like abuser thing where it's like yeah. how dare you have this reaction like we both experienced yeah. how dare you have this reaction to me or be yes. scared to be around me mm -hmm. when i did a thing to make you scared exactly. how dare this is your fault exactly like, like all of that twisting around of like how dare you be upset with me and not want to talk to me or like how dare you cry after i've been screaming in your mm -hmm. face for hours like what do you mean hello i just i don't even begin to understand so on the defense's side all of their closing arguments were honestly just a load of crap so gertrude's attorney tried to claim that she had to be insane because no sane person would do the things that she did and tried to guilt the jur the jury and say that they would have to live every day with sending an insane person who could not be held responsible for her own illness to death. Good. Bye. Yeah. I was like, literally, if I was Bring in the jury, fucking electric chair. Yeah. I'm like, that's the easiest thing for me. Be like, okay. Be like, I, I feel no guilt here. Be like, no. 
this is like also one of the things that I want to really get through to people is that difference between being mentally ill and being an asshole because mm -hmm. this person is an asshole is completely responsible for her own actions mm -hmm. and responsible for what she did she is not insane there is no mental mm -hmm. illness that is being found here it is not like there is a malfunction in her brain that is saying this is an okay thing mm -hmm. to do it's her being an awful person and enjoying hurting mm -hmm. someone else yeah. that needs to be held accountable definitely there is a difference yeah so Paula's attorney basically tried to claim that it wasn't fair for all of them to be tried together and that Paula didn't do anything to cause Sylvia's death Hobbs attorney really pissed me off the most because he basically tried to say that Hobbs was just a follower and that he was just as innocent in all of this as Stephanie was and tried to guilt and blame Jenny and had called her a bad sister for not going out to get help. He was directly quoted as saying that Jenny as a sister who could limp three and a half miles to a park but couldn't but couldn't take two or three steps outside to the street to beg for help. I'm sorry, um, excuse the fuck out of me. First of all, this girl has polio. Yep. And also, like, she's scared shitless. She's been yep. beaten as well. Yep. That not only is her older sister, who was her protector her entire life, being abused, being branded, being hurt in front of her. Obviously, she's going to be terrified to mm -hmm. go for help. Yeah. Her sister is taking on beatings on her behalf so mm -hmm. that Jenny doesn't have to experience what she's going through. Mm -hmm. On top of that, she's being beaten if she doesn't hurt her sister, too. So, yeah. But also, Jenny did make attempts. She told her sister. Mm -hmm. She did make some attempts. Mm -hmm. But you're sitting there saying that it is all on Jenny, this poor little girl who is terrified this is not her home. Her parents are away. She can't get a hold of them. No one is helping her. Her parents visited her, didn't see anything wrong. Mm -hmm. She told her sister, and her sister did nothing about it. She's tried, mm -hmm. and learned helplessness has completely set in to the mm -hmm. point where why would she think yeah. that she has any ability to help her yeah. sister? But yeah, it's so somehow her fault. Even though none of the other children that were participating in this abuse, none of them were being beat by Gertrude to participate. They were just choosing to participate. Jesus fucking Christ. So on the last things that I will say about this trial and closing arguments came from the closing statement of the district attorney. Each of the dis defense attorneys in their closing statements were all arguing that their client didn't do the final blow and killed Sylvia, but that another one of the defendants had and just basically a bunch of just shifting blame. But the district attorney rightly argued that this was absolutely useless to try to parse out which of the five of them served the final and last blow that caused the subdermal hematoma that ultimately killed Sylvia, as each and every one of the wounds on her body that they had inflicted directly contributed to mm -hmm. her death. Mm -hmm. They all did. Mm -hmm. Richard and Shirley branding her caused part of this death. Mm -hmm. John Jr. going and punching her in her branding and possibly causing that infection, he caused her death. Mm -hmm. Coy and Gertrude beating her with the curtain rod caused her death. Mm -hmm. Paula throwing her down the stairs and hitting her caused her death. Mm -hmm. All of these things. It's caused, all cumulative. It's all cumulative and mm -hmm. it all caused her death. Not just one. So uh, after 17 long days of trial, on May 19, 1966, after eight hours of deliberating, the jury came back with the, ver the verdict of guilty for all of them. Oh, good. They found Ger Gertrude guilty of first-degree murder and recommended a life sentence. 
they found Paula guilty of second-degree murder and recommended a life sentence as well. They finally found John Jr., Coy Hubbard, and Richard Hobbs guilty of manslaughter, and each of them were sentenced to 2 to 21 years in prison. Wait, 2? 2. To 21? 2 to 21. Were they in jail the time, like, were they, did they stay in jail when the trial was happening, or were they all on bond? Nope, they stayed in jail. Okay, that's annoying. Yes, so... We'll go on to talk about uh, ooh, that I'm, not, I'm going to get mad. Yeah. I can feel it. So I wish this was the end, but in 1970, both Paula and Gertrude were retried as their attorneys w- had made successful claims that the judge in the initial trial denying multiple motions to have them tried separately and tried at a different venue due to being where it was being held there would be unfairly prejudicial because of the news coverage mm-hmm. that was making it so no jury could be fr- fully impartial was accepted and they were retried mm-hmm. So in 1971, Paula was going to be retried again, but this time she decided to plead guilty to manslaughter and instead sentenced to two to 20 years for her part. And after trying to escape from jail twice, was ultimately released in 1972, four times served. So she was only in jail for what, like not even 10 years? Uh, well, she was sentenced in 1966 and was released in 1972. So literally like six fucking years. Yep. So she served six years for her part. Yep. So did she have her baby in jail? Yeah, uh, she did. Fuck that baby. Yes. <laughs> Fuck so, Paula. Fuck that baby. Yeah. I from I don't remember. I believe the baby was adopted though. Good. Because so, she doesn't deserve that. Whatever. No child deserves to have no, Paula as a no, mother. No. No. So Gertrude, however, was retried again and was found guilty of first-degree murder for the second time, with the jury again recommending a life sentence for her. So in 1985, Gertrude went up for parole, and at this time, she had legally changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen, which was her middle name and combination of her maiden name. So she claimed to the parole board that she was a devout Christian and a model inmate who worked in, pri- in the prison sewing shop. And super aggravatingly, she was used. She also used the fact that in prison, she would act as a surrogate mother to a lot of the women there to point out the, uh, where many of them would refer to her in prison as mom, as a reason as to why she should be released. Because she's just a mom to all of these women. Yeah, like she was a fucking mom to Sylvia. Exactly. Fucking Christ. So when she came up for parole, the Indiana journey general attorney or general public was outraged and large groups of citizens picketed and organized protests outside of the jail. So one group also collected over 40,000 signatures of Indiana citizens that opposed to her ever being granted parole. But during the hearing, Gertrude claimed that she had no idea what role she played in Sylvia's death, claiming that at the time of her death, she was on drugs. So this is like a total of what, like four or five different stories that Gertrude's yes. told. Yep. This is her last and final one, is that I don't know what I did to her. I was on drugs. Yeah, of course you were on drugs, because you're a fucking psycho. I honestly, I have no idea if that claim was really true or not, if she genuinely was on drugs or not, but also, like... But also when you're on drugs, drugs, drugs don't make you abuse children. Exactly, and drugs don't make it so you forget what you that you murdered someone. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But for some reason, the parole board agreed, and she was granted parole and was released from jail in de- on December 4th, 1985. So she served... 20 from, years. Yeah, 20 years. For all of what she did. 
Yep. So all five of the people convicted of Sylvia's murders were released from jail, each of them barely serving a fraction of what they were sentenced to. Most of them only served two years, and Gertrude served 19. So, and all of them went on to lead normal lives. Most of the Banaszewski kids that were convicted went on to be school teachers or counsel children. Paula herself became a school teacher after changing her name, and it wasn't until 2012 that the school discovered her real identity and fired her. Um, hello? So I will be including on our Instagram post of this episode a picture of Paula as a school teacher when she was finally fired. I'm trying to look it up now because I yeah. want to know what she looks like because she probably looks fucking gr- uh, you, yep. But you know what the worst part is? She, is that if I saw her on the street, I wouldn't have thought she I did anything. Know. She looks like, she looks fucking, she still has those gross fucking spermy eyebrows. Yeah. But she looks like, like a grandma that will cook you cookies. Yep. But yet she participated in a brutal murder. That is fucking crazy. Yep. So Richard Hobbs, however, died when he was 21 in 1972 due to lung cancer. Many people that knew him after he was released from jail said that he suffered from nervous breakdowns, mostly thought to be due to his involvement in Sylvia's death. Oh, boo fucking who. Exactly. (laughs) Coy Hubbard was the only one of them to actually continue his criminality and was charged with multiple different criminal offenses after this, one of which included that he was charged again for murder in in 1977, relating to the murders of two young men, but was ultimately acquitted of that charge because the primary witness in the case was considered unreliable as he had also uh, been a convicted felon and had admitted to not being innocent in in those deaths either. Mm. So Coy, for the most part, just kept living his life and never made any attempts to change his name or to move from Indiana. But in 2007, after uh, the movie An American Crime that starred Elliot Page as Sylvia, and Evan Peters as Richard Hobbs premiered Coy's work fired him due to his involvement in part part in that murder. So nearly all of them, including Gertrude herself, oh, oh, actually, and I totally forgot to put this in here, but um, John Jr. actually later became a pastor and particularly went on to counsel uh, troubled youth. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah, you know what? Let yeah, me sure, beat the John. shit out of someone and then counsel kids about how they got beaten up. Because yep. I know what it's like to be the abuser. Exactly. So I don't... I I have a lot of feelings about yeah. that. Um, but nearly all of them, including Gertrude herself, have since died. Gertrude died in June of 1990 of lung cancer. Goodbye. And all the way up until Gertrude's death, she maintained that she did not have really any memories of anything she had done to Sylvia and had blamed it on the medication she was on for her asthma at the time. So hold on, wait. Question. As someone with asthma, does your albuterol make you want to fucking kill kids? Uh, and make me forget that I killed kids? No. Okay, good. Just making, just clearing that up. Like, Side note, but as a small child, I was put on a, like, really heavy-duty steroid because of my asthma when I was five for, like, a year, and it literally turned me into an absolute crackhead. Like, all I would do is shake all the time and scream instead of talk, and I wouldn't walk anywhere. I'd run. So, like, yeah, asthma meds, they make you a little whack. But they don't make you kill kids. They don't make you kill kids, and they don't make you forget that you kill kids. Oh, my God. But, however... 
I will end our story and I will leave you with the beautiful humor and resiliency of Jenny Likens, who when she saw Gertrude's obituary in the paper, she clipped it and mailed it to her mother with a note that said, some good news, damn old Gertie died. Oh, I love that. Well, that was a horrible fucking case. Yes, that was You're horrible. the worst. I'm so sorry, but thank you all to listening and holding tight with all of this just absolute horror show. Yes. I appreciate all of you greatly. Yes. Thank you yes, for yes, yes. holding in on there. Yes. And do you have any final thoughts about <sighs> this horrible, it, horrible shit show uh, I just told you? It's a shit show to to be like I don't I don't know what to say. Like yeah. I. I was hoping, and granted, I knew it wasn't going to go well by the look on your face when you yeah. continued telling the story. I was hoping that they would, like, spend the rest of their life in prison, get beat to shit in prison, because, yeah. you know, because people know, they like, like, they call them, like, either chomos, which are child molesters or child yeah. killers, don't fare well in prison. They're put yeah. in isolation because they get beat to shit. I was hoping that happened to Gertie. But apparently she just became no, mama. She just became everyone's <laughs> mama and then got to get out of jail because of it. Disgusting. Fucking Super horrible. pisses me off. And, like, I think I totally forgot to put this in here, too, but it really, really frustrated me. One of the other pictures I'm going to include on the Instagram is at, at the trial, after they were all convicted, the only real emotion any of them or remorse any of them showed was when they were all sentenced as guilty and they were sentenced to like their different parts there is a picture of gertrude hugging john jr and consoling him for the both of them being convicted because they feel bad about themselves not only yeah. did to sylvia that's exactly. horseshit so, i hate them these but are all the worst people i'm it. so glad that paula was fired i hope that anywhere she goes and any job she ever tries to get that she's consistently fired i do not care whatsoever like for the most part i do not ever advocate online harassment or harassing nope. people but mm -mm. harass paula <laughs> harass paula punch paula in the face if you see paula Punch her in the face. Yeah. And guess what? Paula, if you're listening, you're probably not, but go fuck yourself. Like, exactly. Like, literally shut the fuck up. Don't even talk. Up. Don't even talk ever. Go. Mm. Go kick rocks. Go kick rocks with sandals. Go yes. um, ask someone to curb stomp you. And, yeah. ooh, she should do what Steve-O did in Jackass 4.5 and wax those sperm eyebrows off with a falcon. Yes. Fuck that They're bitch. horrible. Fuck that bitch. Just but, tell her her eyebrows suck. But, I mean, but. I think that those are pretty much my closing remarks. Um, we kind of decided on a schedule for uploading stuff i think we're yes. gonna upload on mondays um because i'm off sunday and mondays so we're gonna record on like saturday sunday i'll edit sunday monday and then we'll upload at least by monday evening um ideally if there's obviously something wrong we will let you guys know um but most likely it'll probably be uploaded on monday so yeah. You can look forward to listening on Mondays. Absolutely. Good start to your week. Listen to murder. Yes. So Love thank you it. so much. We hope to hear and see you or have you listen to us yes. every Monday. And if you want to yes. follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at figures in the dark. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at figures in the dark, but dark spelled D R K because Twitter sucks. And then you can always email us case suggestions, which <laughs> we already had a case suggestion from my fiance's aunt. Um, you can email us at 
Figures in the Dark podcast at gmail.com. And then I believe we have a Facebook page yes. under Which is also Figures, Figures in, in the, the Dark. dark. <laughs> so if you want to follow it there, but also like if you want to send case suggestions, send any of your spooky, scary stories, mm-hmm. any of your like close encounters, anything, we mm-hmm. absolutely want to hear from you guys, feedback, anything like that. Mm-hmm. But thank you for listening. And as always, beware the Figures in the Dark. Okay, bye. Bye.